0: Hello and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship, you name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Mara CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, D-Flash. Each episode, I bring a different business leader entrepreneur who's doing some game-changing work. And this episode is no different. I am so excited to have Cheryl Overton, who is the founder and chief experience officer at Cheryl Overton Communications. We're going to talk about PR, marketing, how to build your business by talking about it, and so much more. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, how are you? Good, causing trouble. How about you? Uh, hey, I'm trying to stay out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent response. <laughs> I said trying. <laughs> oh, keyword trying. Uh, so podcasts always stop the exact same way. So Cheryl, what was your first job?
1: My very first job uh, when I was in high school, I had a uh, a weekend job. I did fast food. I worked at Roy Rogers, which is not even in existence anymore. Um, and I was a counter girl. I took the orders um, behind the counter. I will tell you um, that it, I, I wasn't good for that world. I wasn't long for that Roy Rogers world. So <laughs> it was, it is hectic. Uh it's demanding dealing with the public every day. You know, when you are a high schooler um who, who doesn't really appreciate, you know, what mm-hmm. goes into it, you sort of like, oh, burgers and fries. You think it's gonna be simple. You think, oh, I I I'm personable. I can talk to people all day. You don't know. So um, but such a great lesson. But that was my very first job. I had a little weekend, I wouldn't even call it a part time job. It was sort of a, a quarter time job. That was what I was allowed to take on. Um because you know, the focus was on school, of course. Um, but that was it. So I I, I spent that summer with my hair smelling like uh fries. <laughs> How were the fries though? Because fries, fries look, come on now. You could Roy Rogers had quality had quality eats. They had a bacon cheeseburger that would that was good for fast food. Like they I missed that. <laughs> but okay. they were pretty good. I, you
0: know, I am a fry connoisseur and my okay. favorite, my favorite fry restaurant closed damn COVID. Oh, what, <laughs> was what was that? Um, place, it was a place called Woodpecker on oh. 20, on 29th and okay. they did this thing called, um, dragon fries. Ooh. And so basically it had every topping under creation of like jalapeno peppers. and Like, oh, like nachos, things. but with fries. Yeah, but like not, but the fries no, when you do, I you do nacho fries, the fries just kind of wilt. I don't yeah. know what kind of industrial strength potatoes these were,
1: but <laughs> all that good MSG in there keeping it afloat <laughs>
0: was like they were just sturdy fries, and you could just dip them, dip it in the sauce, and it would, it would not break. And I was like, this is amazing.
1: Wow, so, I guess I'm more of a fry purist. Give me a good old McDonald's French fry. Um any day I think those are still the most delicious, even against sort of gourmet fries. I think if you're gonna eat just like a fry pure and simple, um, those are yummy. Um oh, when yeah, I want to a really that. good, yeah, like if I want a really sort of laden fry, like a poutine or something, you know, meet me, meet me in Toronto or something like that. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Damn
0: right. Um right.
1: poutine is art. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. You
0: know. Okay, so you go from um, your hair, smelling your fries to now.
1: That's quite a journey. That uh, is like, <laughs> like, like. quite the journey. I I don't think I've ever really thought about wow, from 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 the counter at Roy Rogers uh, to now. But it is. Uh, look, it's a. I think it's a journey, and I think we all sort of um, we've got to own those. You know, youthful experiences. I think you know many of us. You know, we get our first job after college, and that's sort of like our first job you know but i think those experiences even when we're younger are informing um uh-huh. and and shaping um and influential i tell you one thing you know being somebody who you know like i said was a, was a was a high school student um you know whose family was just really focused on my academic you know pursuits versus having a little you know job or something like that but i tell you that job you know it did te- teach me a lot in terms of work ethic what people do, it really introduced me um, to a diverse range of people, and 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 I would say more like age diversity as well. And it it sh- totally told me firsthand, you know, what what aspects I would repeat and what aspects I wouldn't, you know. And so I think that that's sometimes helpful um, to have those experiences that really let you, um, you know, know like help help form your you know your your trajectory in terms of you know what i'm a i love food i'm a restaurant person i i can't serve people in the public like this like can't can't do it like it's a lot you know like i'll find other ways to be of service um you know to work um you know with consumers or work with the public or something like that so i i never thought of it but maybe that sort of helped put a little bit of a seed in me for what was to come later
0: it, it, and that's why I asked this question because yeah. like it's always fascinating because like the little nuggets of wisdom that you sort of garner from whatever first job folks usually uh, mention carries through to where they are today.
1: Yeah, very cool.
0: So you know wh- what was the what was that road for you? Like you know what made you say, hey, no commutations? That's my yeah. That's my
1: no, it it is. Um, you know, look, I think I I maybe was destined or meant to to be in this because even from a very young girl, I you know I was someone who with my friends we would, um you know we we created a little newsletter. Um, you know my friends and I when we were growing up it was called the Yum Yum Club. Um, we had a little club. Um, and we created our own you know little weekly newsletter where we wrote like little articles and things like that. I I was I've always been a writer. Um, And I really thought I was going to go into either law, that's what my uh, parents wanted for me, um, Mm -hmm. or journalism, which is what I sort of saw for me. Um, And I loved writing. I was always somebody who doubled down on English and literature and and things that used that side of my brain, both reading and writing. I'm a voracious reader. people talk about, you know, their, their dream home and their dream room. Mine is not a media room. Um, mine is a library, you know, like that is what I you know, love. And um, that is sort of what I saw for myself as I went to to school undergrad, you know, I was really going um, along with the program in terms of, you know, you'll go to school, you'll go to law school, nothing wrong with that. I I certainly had, you know, some interest in that area, but I really had a bug um, around journalism, and while I wasn't sure what aspect of journalism I might pursue, there were times I thought maybe I'll go into broadcast journalism. There were times I thought maybe I'll go into um, writing for a newspaper. Um, but then I had sort of an, an epiphany, and it really is more of a come to Jesus with myself. Um, the year I graduated, um, the year after I graduated from college, I got a job as in a law firm as a legal assistant. And that was really, um, before we called it a gap year, that was the year that I was going to, that I was taking the L, studying and taking the LSATs, getting some professional experience in the law. So I would have wonderful references um, for my law school applications um, and then applying to law school, all of which I did. And, and I was accepted into, I think, three or four law schools. So I was like, I'm well on my way. And the more I went into that process, the more I dreamt about doing something else and, um it was, for me, an act of bravery, you know, to tell my family, I don't want to do this. I don't want my life to look like this. I want my life to look like something else. I'm not quite sure what, but I know that this doesn't feel like me, Um, but I'd like to take the time now to really explore what does feel like me, Um, and where that landed me was going to uh, journalism school for grad school as opposed to law school. And it was through journalism school that I decided um, broadcast is not for me. I don't want to be a beat reporter at a newspaper. Um, I thought um, where I'd netted out was to be um, an editor at a magazine. I sort of saw myself at Glamour magazine or something like that being an editor because as much as I love writing and research and that whole process, I found that I had a really knack for making others work better. I could lift it up. I could provide notes, guidance, coaching. I could make, I could up level the quality of other work. Um, And I thought maybe that's what I should do. I should go into being a magazine editor And I would love a woman's magazine I could see myself back in New York you know very Condé Nast or Hearst or something going into one of those big buildings and all that good stuff I sort of had you know drunk myself silly on that sort of fantasy of what that what I thought that looked like Um, but it was really through grad school that I found um, public relations and that's how I entered this industry but as soon as I sort of took an elective class in PR which was a requirement like the skies opened up, like it all just became crystal clear for me, this is where I'm supposed to be, because it really combined the things I loved about the law in terms of analytical thinking, problem solving, sort of, there are, there's sort of a foundation based on tenets, but that you could riff and go creative with it if you want, Um, and then, of course, my creative side with coming up with ideas and writing or creating content and things like that, and that is how I entered into um deciding to pursue this as work. Um I uh then started my career journey um in my hometown of Philadelphia um in-house at University of Pennsylvania Health System and then um onto on to the agency side and I have been an agency creature um since then. Awesome.
0: Okay. I, I, we had similar journeys. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Uh I I wanted to be a lawyer since um i watched colombo uh as a little kid with my oh my god and then law and order of course yes. and every other legal show that was on television I, I either whether i was allowed to watch it or not allowed to watch it i was watching it <laughs> um like la law and everything um and i took the lsats and bombed the lsats not once but twice even though I, but fantastic gpa great grades and interns at a couple law firms and i was like and the only law schools i got into were the ones that kind of were my safety schools but i didn't really want to go Mm -hmm. and i'm like i went to nyu like what's wrong with you people right like like, i'm an immigrant i'm black I, i you what no and it didn't and it just didn't work out and i ended up going to graduate school instead and um getting my mba mm-hmm. uh and and basically kind of realizing that i really like kind of dreaming up things and making things happen i also love money yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> so was like wait a minute oh this is what the other side of the world looks like uh and then sort of fell into advertising and by accident and then here we are what, eleven years later. So like you never know what the original plan was versus That's right. the plan that actually happens.
1: That's right. That's right. And you know, I think what I love about your journey um and, and, and mine as well, which I think, you know, when you're living it, you don't have that perspective to sort of take, you know, take an assessment or things. But as I'm older um, and I and I talk to young people and mentor them, look, being willing to go off the plan yet. Yeah, I don't care if that was your parents' plan for you, your, your auntie's plan, your, you know, what you always thought being willing to keep an open mind and an open heart to things that interest you and being willing to lean into them. I think is so important. It's something I want to make sure I always keep that sense of curiosity, that sense of fearlessness. And then, you know, that sense to make it happen. Like you, you just be, you can go off playbook. That gets okay, you know. Um, So staying nimble, really listening to your heart and what what your passions are, I think is is something that we were fortunate um, to learn early and maybe be able to do, to be able to execute early. And um, I think it's a good quality to have. I know, you know, we've all sort of seen what it looks like um, when someone isn't sort of pursuing their purpose and passion you know, professionally, like where they're just sort of going through the motions or doing what they have to do. So no judgment, but it is, it's a much sweeter experience all around. And it makes some of the unpleasant moments or some of the challenges go down a little bit easier. Um, if you've really sort of chosen the path that you're on.
0: It really is. And, you know, I think, because like you said, like, when you're in it, you're like, what, <laughs> what's going on yeah. here? <laughs> um, but then you sort of realize, you know, you look back on it now, you're like, Oh, of course this makes sense. Like that I had to do this to get here. But also that kind of I'm okay jumping. I'm okay doing this. I'm not like the worst that could happen is that like I'll just fall and get back up. And you know, not everyone is built that way for that level of resiliency. But um but if you are, I, I do think it's incumbent to try and help others find their own as well because that's the only way we, we get through this all. If we kind of help each other see how we can be our best.
1: Yeah, very true.
0: So what made you decide to kind of go out on your own and, and build your own shop?
1: Wow. You know, it's um something that I had... Toyed around with for years, and in fact, tried it, and it didn't stick. The first time I tried it, I got hired by a client. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, that was
0: not the point here. <laughs> yeah, that, you know that's not
1: how that's supposed to work. <laughs> but I remember actually um, one of my professors in J school, um, probably one of my favorite professors ever, um, academically ever trades. He once said to me um, right at, right before I graduated, he said, "You should be in, you should do this." I was, I mean, I'm i am fresh, not even out of grad school yet. You should have your own business. You should do this work. Don't work for other people too long. Now he's saying this to me as somebody, you know, in their twenties and I'm like, well, I don't even know anything yet, you know, whatever. And I just always remember he said that, he said, I, I see that you have a knack for this and that you should chart your own course. You should sort of navigate this. And so um, I think that's always been in the back of my head, but I absolutely enjoyed working um you know on the global agency side all of the world class brands all of the very sort of culture shaping campaigns and iconic campaigns in the words of others not me um that I've really been um at the helm of I've loved it I've had a great time so I wasn't thinking about changing the paradigm but you know 2020 was different for a lot of us you know and and you know what does business look like how do you want to spend your time what do you really want to leave behind from a professional legacy perspective and it really gave me the space to sort of envision um the the business i'm in right now which is one that is absolutely an integrated marketing communications advisory we are small but mighty i have a small team and we get to work with clients to really get them to better know better appreciate and frankly center experience of experiences of multicultural consumers um, as growth, you know, their growth targets, as you well know, um, and really providing high level strategy creative and really helping to drive programming sitting right alongside brand teams it, it, it's a different, it's an agency client relationship, but it feels a little bit different than when I was, you know, leading large teams at agencies or, or leading agencies themselves. So it's giving me a chance to, in a senior capacity, still get my hands a little dirty, you know, working with brands and helping brands shape their story, which I love. Um, and it's giving me, um, an experience professionally that I haven't had. I'm flexing my own entrepreneurial muscle now, and I think it's given me a whole lot more um, confidence and um, standing to pursue some of the other entrepreneurial ideas I have as well. Um, I've been somebody for maybe a decade or more, um, and this is something I've been able to break out of um, since starting and really sticking to my own business is I've got tons of great ideas I I'm, I've got a concept in my phone I've got a, a startup idea you know that that I talk about with friends and family but I hadn't actioned them and I think 2020 um, and and having some success at this business has given me the permission um, the confidence and and frankly the the wherewithal to really to launch some of those things so I you know, it sounds crazy. Everybody says serialpreneur, if you will. It's like a thing that people say. And I'm like, I I sometimes roll my eyes when people say because I'm like, for real? Um, But I think Dr. Trey's was right, you know, way back when maybe that really was my destiny the whole time. No regrets about how I spent my time to get here. I think I was somebody who needed the data points and the experience to feel like I had my footing underneath me. But now that I do, um, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm enjoying bringing, you know, what I do um, to to brands and client partners and and new, you know, market situations. But the other thing that I'm really committed to doing with this business, um, this marketing communications business, is so much attention, especially over the past year, it's not new to you or I, of course, but so much attention has been paid to the experience of um, minority professionals and Black professionals in particular in this industry. I don't think that this advertising, marketing, PR, whatever you want to call it, and not commingling them all, they are different disciplines, but what they have in common is that they're not always kind to us. There's not a lot of us. Um, It is not unusual for you to not see someone who looks like you um, in a senior rank. And so that I know is definitely the experience I had, you know, coming up in the big global agencies and one that I took seriously as junior people came up behind me. um, I feel very privileged to have a place where I can bring on people who might not have been told you know might have been told they weren't a quote unquote cultural fit someplace else. They'll always be a cultural fit with me. Um, there's a shorthand that we can have together and still do great work. I want to be a place where people feel that they belong. Um, and maybe as a as a workplace, as somebody who's who's creating a culture, um, maybe that sounds Pollyanna, but as somebody who's been on the other side where you can do great work, but it doesn't always feel that you belong that's something I want to leave and create and and help perpetuate for the future.
0: And you're so right, Cheryl. I mean, that's, you know, well, well, two things. One, welcome to the other side. Yes, <laughs> the, the other side, indeed. <laughs> uh, I always say to folks, well, Laura, the grass is greener, you're underground. I'm like, no, it's just grass. That's right. <laughs> like Nothing is greener, nothing is browner, it's just grass. And you still got to take care of it and water it and tend it for in order for it to stay green. But it's just grass. Yeah. Um, and you know, being this is like I think my officially my tenth year as an entrepreneur. Um, I, I can tell you that you know, you you have made the right choice. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. You know what? You you sometimes need you need that affirmation. You know, from from folks who have done it. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah. Well, because. Here's the thing you know in your heart whether walking into somebody else's firm as an employee or as the vendor makes you feel good. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure for you, the moment you walked in, because now we're all virtual, but when as as the vendor, where you have a one to one relationship, versus there's nobody else in between you and that client it gives you a, a better way of like arching your shoulders back, having your head held up a little bit higher um, and coming in with a, you know, a bit more of authority be like, yes, I got this. Cause this relationship is mine. It isn't somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore you can be more direct. Yeah. You can be more honest in a way that you probably couldn't um, when you work, when you're working with somebody else. And that's just the feeling. And, you know, the, having done this for the, for a while, and I feel like I'm you now, hitting A really nice stride now. Um, it, it, it's always great to see folks who you've been like, Why doesn't she have her own shop? She <laughs> 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 um, now out here on the other side because I think th- we need to see more of us who do this. Uh, we've had enough conversations, so we're all blue in the face about how you don't see enough of us in these c level ranks and mm-hmm. and yes that's a conversation but I do think it is important for other folks to see that you know we can run our own things um we can build the shops that we keep talking about um and attract the people who want to be in this universe um and tell a different and tell a different kind of story yeah
1: absolutely and and you know not for anything I mean and we don't have to build a shop like the ones that we talked about, we build, something, build a new model, you know, and I think that that is one of the things, look, I think black women are ingenious and highly creative and always have had to make something, you know, out of, out of nothing or out of a little bit of something. So I think, you know, it's, it's a proud tradition to carry on in business, but I think especially in the marketing communications, you know, the marketing services discipline, you, you don't, I'm not here, I, I, I love the work experiences that I've had at other agencies and big, you know, global agencies, like what they do is fantastic, you know, but I'm not doing this to replicate that. I'd like to create something new and maybe what this period of us working from home or, or working across borders more seamlessly, being virtual first, this has taught Many people who didn't believe it was possible or that it could be profitable or that it could be productive, I think we've proven that it can be. And so I think it's given us some permission to envision new models um, in everything from the way we communicate with one another to the way we service and and give clients experiences to the way we, you know, manage our finances and things. Like we we can creatively problem solve a lot of things. Um and I think this experience has opened my eyes to that. And, and, and that's exciting too. Like, let's build a better model for how we get this done. That's been exciting. Like the operations piece, you would never have told me, Oh, that's really cool. No, it's super cool. Like when you could think about different (laughs) ways, you know, how can I do this more efficiently? Or, you know, is there a way to set up, you know, an outside on the beach, you know, conference room, you know, so that we Mm -hmm. can all be together, you know, like, how can we come up with these things? So, um i'm 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 fired up really and and inspired by figuring out a different model for this because even when the world reopens and things i think there will be a need for smaller independent minority owned um you know black owned experts and entities i don't think we're going to walk this back and so that's my promise to myself and my promise to my team and my clients like we're going to continue to forge ahead and and break new grounds and and be innovative in large and small ways,
0: absolutely. Look, we've cracked the code on this because you can effectively run a business from your couch. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean whether you choose to or not is a different story, but you can effectively run a business from your couch. I ran a conference from my desk with in sixty countries from my desk. <laughs> like, it can be done it doesn't mean yeah. you don't you, you might not want you might want to do it that way, but it can be done, and if it gives you that opportunity to do that when it's something on a larger scale, then of course on something where like you need to launch a brand campaign we can find I can find my best designers, my best strategists from all around the world and giving them the freedom to be where they want to be and get the work done and, and trust that you will have a staff that will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have a happier staff. I mean, I think that's the thing people are, what I hope folks learn from this is that you can design the life that you want because you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially now, the us truth as, of it is, that was always the case, but you sometimes didn't <laughs> remember that or know that, or, you know, life is built with a lot of distractions you know and so this i think if anything it has really made it crystal clear that we are really the architects and 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 can we can play a more active role in in setting things up the way we want and um and it works it's not that it's not as scary you know as yeah, you might have thought it was
0: i think you're right i think the fear behind well what if this what if that I think the world kind of, I think the words what if can now be removed from our our, our collective vocabulary, <laughs> because we've seen it all. There are no more what ifs. <laughs> like, What if a global pandemic? What if we had a violent interaction? What if we had a racial unrest? Like, all three happened. Yeah, yeah. So like, there are no more what if scenarios. I think it's now the what can scenarios now. What can we do for this? Mm-hmm. What can be accomplished this way? I and love that, that, yeah. Thank you, Um, and I think that's a way we can look about how we can really do things together and collaborate and work with folks. And you know, I always say this: this it's a gigantic pie, and I'm only I'm I'm okay with a little bit of pie. I don't need to eat the entire thing. Yeah, and and I think that's where we can all kind of get to a point where it's like it would be much better if you have enough pie that you're satisfied, as as opposed to trying to to overeating and then destroying whatever you build.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, the the sort of enough quotient um, that that's personal and different for everyone, but it's very important to def- define success, to find what's enough for yourself, not based on someone else. I think that yeah. that gets a lot of folks in trouble, um, and 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 it, it's it's a way it's wasted energy and emotion following other people um, down that line.
0: Absolutely. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the Twenty Nine Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspace is to help creative thinkers, businesses, small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of Twenty Nine Days of Magic. It's a safe Wonderful and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations one else in New York City in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feels safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which you haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. So, you know, in, you know, kind of having a really dynamic career, talk to me about a time that you had a challenge where you're like, okay, there's no way this is going to work. And and then it
1: did. (laughs) Oh, and that it did work or? (laughs) And and then it did. Oh, gosh hmm, good, because I can come up with challenges that didn't, that I didn't think it was working, and it, and it didn't, so <laughs> let me think about what, where it did, because that's part of, that's part of it, you know, you might have ideas, and, and they don't always come to fruition, Um, but sure, I can, Um, I had an experience Um, at a former agency where I was working with a client, um, a retail client that was on the brink of going under, and I, I will, I will mention. I don't know if I should mention names or not. I mean, I, I think it's okay. I just don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to expose them for anything. No worries. Um, oh,
0: anyway, this a,
1: okay. <laughs> there you go. My ex-client, an ex-agency. Um, it, it, it's it's not that juicy, but um, um, but so this is a client that look the business. The world of retail had changed around them, and unfortunately, they just didn't keep up. An iconic American retail brand—I'll leave it at that—and um, they were on the brink of—you know—look, the whole business had changed. They were shuttering stores. They'd had some leadership issues internally. Nobody was going there. It was really just sort of an albatross. And from a—you know—marketing communication standpoint, it's like this is a lipstick on a pig. Situation, if ever you've heard one, um, this was also an account that was a longstanding account at the agency, and um, the business was changing so dramatically. And then all of a sudden, I was asked, "Can you come in and you know do your thing? You know, work your work your magic, sprinkle your fairy dust on this?" Wow, it felt a little bit like a setup, if I'm going to be frank, because I'm mm-hmm. like, this is not a turnaround. Like th- these problems are bigger than, than the agency, than even the brand, you know, like the world has changed. The brand many years ago decided even not to change with it or, you know, dig in their heels. And there's no matter of, you know, consumer marketing and brand marketing, there's nothing we can do to, to, to turn this around. This feels a little bit like a setup. How am I going to, I can't make this win, you know? And we just knew that, um, you know, clearly a longstanding relationship. So you want to respect and honor, you know, the history of that, but you also sort of like, my God, how much investment, sh- you know, should I put into this professionally? We know where this is heading, you know, to, to bankruptcy or shutter doors or whatever. I'm like, this is not a good thing for my CV. Um, and so I did go into it with, you know, a bit of that attitude, working with a team who was a fantastic team, but kind of exhausted by this brand because they know like, this is kind of a little bit, how are we doing a back to school program where, come on now, it it looks really shoddy, you know, in the stores or something like that. Well, with that attitude sort of going in, you know, it felt like really challenging. Like we're not making money off of this. Like we're just, we're sort of, you know, waiting, you know, watching this thing die a slow death. Why are we even doing communications, et cetera. And I will tell you that The experience, though, all of that stuff happened and did come to fruition, you know, within the year, if you will. The experience absolutely was one of the most um, rewarding in terms of what it taught me. I learned a tremendous amount because businesses go through transitions all the time. And we on this industry, we very often are working with um, brands and, and organizations when they are either in their startup ramp up sexy, nascent, you know, new kid on the block stage. And that's one way, you know, that you, you know, help that marketing muscle and help push them forward. Or we might be working with brands that are at the top of their game. They're well-established, people know them, you know, we're trying to change their story. Or they could be, you know, in a restage, they could be very mature. I had not had an opportunity in my career, which at that point was, you know, 20 years in or or so, you know, almost. I hadn't worked with a brand that was sort of transitioning on its way out. And what are the things that you do, both from a business standpoint internally, as well as from a taking care of your consumers, as well as your employees that th- themselves are a community? How do you apply your marketing communications know-how under these circumstances where you know analysts know the score, the street knows the score, even lay consumers know the score? Um, it was so educational i think working with a brand at that stage um in its transition you know everything you you have ready access to the c suite you're at the table making you know strategic decisions and seeing them come to fruition um while there were protocols and factors and standards of course to follow um this was a chance for them to try new things so you had an opportunity to sort of put new ideas out there and get it and i just learned so much about how important Geo-targeting was what, what regions and geographies might have the most potential and how we could shift dollars there, do different focus areas there. Um, the importance of using the best customers still to our advantage as influencers, etc. cetera. I learned so much on that opportunity where I went in thinking, this is a loser. This The stink is gonna be really long and how am I gonna get it off of me to I learned a tremendous amount that I hadn't with other clients that were in a different phase. Um, And I'm so grateful because it has has informed my approach, you know, moving forward with clients, not even clients that are doing poorly, but frankly, clients that are flying high. It's given me such a strategic vision um, on how we can look at the various aspects um, and truly do integrated communications across all the um, stakeholders. Now,
0: that's awesome. Um, and, and, and that's what it, and that's what this is all about sometimes where you're like, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> um, but you find a way and it informs so much more for when you, you, things that arise in the future where you're like, oh, well, okay, we went down this road here. Um, and here's, here are the potholes that even if you're flying high, you could potentially fall into. So let's not do that so that we put you on the right path for success. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, you know, thinking about like how to navigate this, you know, obviously, you know, this has been your foray into the the other side of the world, and entrepreneurship, also in the land of COVID. What in the world are you doing for (laughs) self-care?
1: Okay. So I look, I'm, I'm a, I got a PhD in self-care. I believe in it. (laughs) I always have, you know, this is, this is something I've always advocated. Um, and you know, it's probably because um, I, I was taught, you know, even from a, being a young girl by, you know, the women in my family, and I call them the Holy Trinity: my mother, my grandmother, and my aunt. They really just taught me a lot of good lessons about not about really listening to yourself and and taking care of yourself, even when you have other responsibilities and other people who are depending on you. And so, whether it's as simple as you know, it's a hair appointment and keeping that date with yourself. To um you know, my aunt, you know, she was a reflexologist, um and I had never even heard of that, you know, and so she was somebody who taught me a lot about the mind, the body, and the pulse points in your body and how it's super important. And as somebody who had been a migraine sufferer, understanding how to get myself out of that, you know, really was helpful. It's good information that I learned as a very young person. So um my friends and I, we would get laughed at in undergrad because we had a massage therapist who would come to our suite um, you know, once a wow. month and give us all massages. Yeah. And, and people didn't people didn't have that back then. So I'm a self-care person. I I firmly believe in it. Um, under these COVID circumstances obviously it's been challenging to go to some of your usual creature comforts, like going to a spa. Um, I'm a big travel person and and I haven't been able to travel the way I'm used to doing so. But one of the things that I've been really doing um, a lot is um, with skincare and really giving myself facials at home, um, taking the time, you know, to to cleanse and really using oils and taking the time. Like I think since we are not, as taxed with sort of the morning commute and um you know having to hurry up and do it these are things that I am taking my sweet time doing and it really is sweet time you know to really take a breath um you know enjoy the steam enjoy the oils I will admit I've been um a little bit on a device kick you know getting some infrared devices and masks Ah. and things like that so I've 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 a little bit doubled down. You know, the boxes have piled up with some of the things yeah. I've acquired. Oh, your, your, your skin is fabulous. So clearly oh, thank it is you. working. Thank you. Well, it's, you know, it's it's kind of a hobby. So I do feel like now when I do a Zoom, you know, call with my esthetician or whatever, you know, not only, you know, has she said, oh my God, your skin is looking pretty good, but she's like, I'm telling her things about products, you know, that I've tried or things like that. So that's been my self-care slash, you know, indulgence where, you know, probably, you know, once a month I'm, I'm trying a new product or a new something, you know, adding it to my skincare regimen and really just enjoying that I have a little bit more time to do it. When the world reopens, I don't think I'm gonna go back. I think I, I'm a skincare, you know, person, I'm a skincare guru, <laughs> self-appointed, self um, but I'm enjoying taking the time to do that. And, you know, really getting smarter about the ingredients and, and the things that I'm bringing into the largest organ of my body. So that that would be my self-care um, strategy for these times. And, and doing that though is to me very relaxing, um, you know, and taking my time.
0: Um, one, I love this. Two, I have two questions for you. One, sure. <laughs> um, what is your go-to product for hyperpigmentation?
1: Oh girl, that's a that's a strategy.
0: <laughs> that's
1: that's okay. a strategy. There's not one. I, I, I too have list gone for down you. this road. I have gone
0: yeah. down this road as uh, it's such
1: as a far. it's such a struggle.
0: Oh my and goodness, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a struggle. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, and then two, what is your cure for with reflexology and migraine? Because I will say that I usually get, I used to get a lot more migraines mm-hmm. because I was traveling so much and I, I'm getting them less.
1: Yeah, um, I'm getting them I'm less like, too. Yeah, over the years. Um, well, in answer to your first question, it, it's not one go-to, it's a few. I'm happy to share, uh, you know, the things that I'm doing to, to stave it off, but, you know, it's it's a it's a battle. And, and, and I am using some prescription products for that as well. So I just don't want to make it sound like it's it's a drugstore buy um but you know a dermatologist is helping me with that um in terms of the reflexology you know every point on your body you know has a place on the foot you know there are some pressure points if you actually apply pressure that that area of the skin between your forefinger and your thumb that sort of fatty area that's a pressure point that that will help you with um with headaches and things sometimes that works but a ref- there's actually a map that you could look up for the reflexology. You cannot do it yourself, um, sadly. Ah. Um, but you, um, I found that that was super helpful when you could get to you know, somebody who could do it for you. Um, but I've noticed over the past maybe five years or so, my migraines have really stopped. And I gotta be honest, I'm really crediting a lot of it too. As I've gotten older, I've been able to both intentionally and organically Eliminate some areas of stress. You know, I'm not sweating the kind of stuff I used to sweat ten years ago, and part of that is just maturity, um, and just maybe having more perspective about my life. And the point you made earlier, how do I want to set it up? You know, the other thing that I have done intentionally is to really eliminate those things that might send me into um, a migraine episode. Those those kind of stressors, and we and some of these we know we see them coming. You know, we we haven't we we've skimped ourselves on our sleep we've skimped ourselves on you know taking care of our bodies we put of ourselves course. in a stressful situation where you know maybe the the people the energy the the conversation something is toxic to us um and we shouldn't be in that situation that's going to send me to bed for a whole day you know in the dark um so i've i've intentionally eliminated those things um that i know are going to send me into that and i am suffering from fewer and fewer migraines as a result I might have an episode once or twice a year now, which is crazy because it used to be once or twice a month, you know, at, at certain periods in my life. And it it's like night and day, because I know um, those are the types of migraines I used to have, like, I would be no more good, you know, for the day. Right. I would take Thanks. some medicine and go to bed. So lo- gaining back the time in my life, gaining back is has been the greatest reward. And so I don't want to ever sort of put myself in that, um on that treadmill of of dealing with that kind of stress or or inviting that kind of stress, I should say. We all have stress in our lives. Um but inviting it in, I'm 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 done with that because I don't want to miss I don't want to miss a day, you know, by being sick in the bed behind it.
0: Yeah, you're so right. But yeah, it it that might be actually kind of what it is. Like removing some of the stressors. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, because I've never been able to figure out what um actually triggers mine. And I was just like, oh gosh. Yeah. And what I do realize I'm sleeping more, uh,
1: but well, I'm that's moving helpful. Less. Yeah. The, I think but I'm sleep, moving less. Yeah. <laughs> the sleep is helpful. The sleep is helpful, but I would, I would encourage you to maybe interrogate yourself a little bit around not identifying what that is. Cause it might, it, 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 I think the answer is there. I think when I was, when I was ready and willing to sort of look, the answer was there, but it might not be an easy answer because it might be somebody like, well, that, that's a relative. How am I going to not spend time with them? Well, you're going to figure it out because, you know, like, cause it's sending you into a migraine, you know? So it, it might not be an answer that, um, that you like, that you, you know, but I think it, it's there, your body, your body will tell the truth even before, you know, you're able to articulate it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are so right about that and then cheryl it's,
0: it's such a lovely time chatting with you one last question sure. do you have a give and or
1: an ask of the audience i do i, I want to consider this both a give and an ask um <laughs> double double benefit here um one of the things um that is near and dear and super important to me is just the care and feeding of our young black and brown women um and really growing them up in a world where they know that their voice is valued, um, that, they ha- that they can and should take up space and they should use their voices. Um, and so I am the board chair of an organization called the Vibe Theater Experience. We are online at vibetheater.org. And we um, are a nonprofit that uses, um, we pair young women um, and non-binary youth with a professional teaching artist, and they work together to write, produce, and perform their own original um, theatrical and musical pieces. And all of these pieces are written by the girls based on their lived experience. Um, it's a fantastic organization um, that really helps girls find their voice, um, share their experience with others, and really you know, help show, like even at a young age, your voice is your power. Um, and that you can use it um, to create your own opportunities and and your own space in the world. Um, I've been board chair of Vibe for gosh, three or four years now. It's such a wonderful organization. And so my give would be, I invite everyone. And now that we're in a virtual world, all of our programming is virtual first. It's very affirming, it's very, You know, woman centered. Um, These girls are incredible. They talk about real issues um, facing the world. Um, They are super talented. Um, So the give would be please join us at vibetheater.org and, you know, sign up because we'd love for you to attend one of our virtual performances. Um, And my get would be if you're inclined or share a passion with helping um, young women, particularly black and brown women who really operate at the intersection of art and activism, continue to do great work. Um, Join us if you're inclined to donate or volunteer, or if anybody is looking for a committee opportunity or even board service, we'd love to talk to you. Um, We want to grow our circle of friends um, always. And so I know having the opportunity to talk to you today, Laura, and your audience is so important um, to get more people um, who follow you to know about VIBE and, and hopefully join us.
0: That is amazing. I'm absolutely gonna check it out. It's like a fantastic organization and so necessary. So absolutely, we will put all details in the show notes so folks can find, follow, check out the pro- programming, um, vote with your dollars, <laughs> <laughs> um, as well. And and so necessary, Cheryl. You know, I it's such a delight to get to know you and a little bit more and hear your amazing story. Um, and you're just, you're just wonderful. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Laura, for having me. And the, the, the admiration is mutual and I appreciate your generosity. Oh, thanks, Daryl. And that is our show.